It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. This is your only daily source for Thunder content. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. And this episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliable little prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. The Oklahoma City Thunder Prove me wrong yet again. They lose game 7, 104 to 102. Although this game got in the clutch, although James Harden and Russell Westbrook combined for six points in the fourth quarter, they could now not be outdone by Billy Donovan. And let me get the qualifiers out of the way here. The future is incredibly bright in Oklahoma City. You saw that future get put on display in this game at times. They have 14 future first-round picks. They have a cornerstone who's going to be, at worst, their second-best player when this team wants to contend for a championship in five years. And they have Lou Dort and Darius Baisley in 14 future first-round picks. The future is phenomenal. However, Oklahoma City just played their last meaningful basketball game for at least two or three years. And I'm going. it would be a disservice to treat this as anything less than a meaningful basketball game. Because I promise you right now, while some of you are acting as though you're all uh, gung-ho about the future, which you should be, you're going to miss meaningful basketball when this team is tanking. So we're going to treat this game the way we should treat this game, that's as a meaningful basketball game. Tomorrow, we'll talk all about how bright the future is and what this offseason should look like and how Sam Presti's in a win-win situation with this offseason and how Oklahoma City has so many avenues they don't know what to do with because they can improve this team in a multitude of ways this offseason and they can have just the brightest future in the NBA. We can talk about that tomorrow. But for today, let's recap this game as a meaningful basketball game. So I'm not going to keep repeating how bright the future is. You should understand that by now. I've talked about it before. We'll talk about it in the coming weeks and months leading up to the next season and leading up to the rest of this Thunder run, this next era of Thunder basketball with Shea, with Baisley, with Dort. So the Thunder lose 104 to 102. And I do also want to give another disclaimer. This is not going to be just all sunshine and rainbows. You lost the basketball game with 22 turnovers, made a ton of mental mistakes that cost you the basketball game. If you only want positivity with your Thunder talk, I understand that. I would encourage you to go listen to a podcast that's done by the actual Thunder, who are not going to say a bad word about the organization that's paying them. So go listen to the Thunder Basketball Universe podcast with Nick Gallo and the Fox Sports Oklahoma crew. That's a good one to go listen to if you only want the positive aspect of this. If you want a realistic aspect, both the positive and the negative, you can continue to listen to this show. So we start in the first quarter where Oklahoma City goes up 5-2 to two and gets back-to-back defensive stops, and that follows up with back-to-back empty possessions. And that was the story of this game. Every time that you got a stop, it felt like you could not. 
get over the hump offensively. The lead changed 15 times. The longest run of this game was a 10-point run. Houston's biggest lead was 8. Your biggest lead was 6. This was the, as close of a game as it can get in every category. I think that the Thunder thoroughly outplayed Houston. Uh, you, you look at the numbers. They, had, they shot better from the field with both teams making 35 field goals. Houston only makes one more three-pointer than Oklahoma City, which is the biggest storyline of this series was about how Oklahoma City can't keep pace with Houston, and Houston only makes one more free throw than Oklahoma City. The bottom line is this game can be summarized with the turnover category. Houston was a plus 10 in the turnover margin. In a two-point game, that simply cannot happen. You cannot have a cast of veterans like Chris Paul and Gallinari throwing the ball away left and right. You cannot have 22 turnovers and expect to win the game. Houston out-rebounds you on the offensive glass, 11-7. However, overall, Oklahoma City gets two more rebounds than Houston. I think Oklahoma City, again, outplayed Houston in this contest. They just had way too many turnovers, and you cannot overcome that. And we can talk about Billy Donovan and how atrocious he was, but let's just continue with the first quarter where Steven Adams looked good in this first quarter, uh, and then he just fell off a cliff. In the first quarter, he looked the best. He's looked all series long, and we saw how it ended up. It was just clear as day that you cannot play Steven Adams 33 minutes in this series. We knew that from the get-go. I've said it on every single show. Steven Adams can only play in that 20 to 26-minute range in spurts. He cannot be getting the majority of your minutes at the center position against this lineup. It just can't happen. It happened. They lost. And I'm not putting that on Steven Adams because Steven Adams, as we've seen in that first quarter and a good start to the second quarter, in small doses, he had a role in this series. His role, though, was not 33 minutes, and he does not control his role. That's Billy Donovan that controls his role. We saw Steven Adams go to the bench when this team played small and closed out the game with a small lineup. He didn't complain one time. He's a team player. He did what Billy Donovan asked him to do. Billy Donovan asked him to do something incredibly stupid. And that's the bottom line. But Lou Dort was phenomenal in this game, and, and if he did not get mentioned in this first segment, it would be a travesty. Lou Dort scores uh, 30 points in this one, a career high for him, uh, a Thunder rookie high in the postseason, 30 points on 47% from the field and 50% from beyond the arc, 6 for 12 from beyond the arc. He goes 4 for 6, six from the line. Four rebounds, one assist, but he did have the four turnovers in this game. Also got a block. Uh, Lou Dort, a lot of good in this game. Almost exclusively good in this game from Lou Dort. And I told you, after that horrendous offensive performance, I told you on the very same recap show, don't give up on Lou Dort. I told you all the assets he has offensively, he showed every single one of them in this game, including the ability to bounce back from beyond the arc. He played a great game. He was your leading scorer tonight, which is another reason why you lost, but he was your leading scorer tonight. He took the most attempts of any player on this team. Uh, he was your leading bucket getter, and he did it efficiently. He led the team in points. He led the team uh, you know, in a lot of aspects on this roster. But the four turnovers killed you. And the late-game situation killed you. Having him uh, get blocked by James Harden, get the block back with two timeouts left, Instead of calling one of those timeouts, as, as Chris Paul tried to do, he tries to throw the ball out of bounds off of James Harden instead of also just shooting a shot. But look, that's going to happen. He's a rookie, a two-way rookie nonetheless, playing in the postseason. I know his contract got, got converted, but this season he's been a two-way rookie. That's going to happen when the ball's in his hands. It's a rookie mistake. It happens. We knew this team was young. We knew this team would have that happen to them. It's 
horrendous that Billy Donovan couldn't get a timeout called, that Chris Paul wasn't rewarded with a timeout, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. Lou Dort had to be smarter than that and just hold on to the ball and call the timeout. I, I don't know what he was thinking, but he's a rookie. Lou Dort played a phenomenal game in this game, and you, and you cannot let that be uh, degraded by his mental error late in this, in this contest because he's not the guy that was supposed to have the ball in his hands. He's not the guy that was supposed to have 30 points. The, the, the blame game goes from Donovan to Gallinari to Chris Paul to Shea. It goes all the way down before you get to Dort. Dort is the last guy who you can blame. Nameless Noel can be blamed for this. Dennis Schroeder can get blamed for this. Steven Adams can get blamed for this. Mainly Billy Donovan and Chris Paul. But still, that's who you blame for this loss, not Lou Dort. He had a rookie mistake. They still had a shot to win the game. After that rookie mistake, they failed. The Thunder simply failed in this game. And that's just the way it goes for the Thunder in the postseason. I mean, what better way to end this era of Thunder basketball, right? You're ending this competitive era that's lasted you since you became a team in Oklahoma City, since you moved here from Seattle. You're ending that first era, or whatever era number we're on right now. You're ending that officially, book is closed, with a Game 7, 22 turnover team performance, and a loss at the buzzer. Fitting for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Absolutely fitting. Coming up, we're going to talk about Chris Paul, and we're going to talk about Robert Covington, and why this game made me want to pull my hair out. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So Chris Paul in this contest was not very good, and neither was James Harden. And this is why I don't like some of the conversation around basketball, is that we kind of just go based on the score. Okay, the Rockets won, so who was the worst player for Oklahoma City, uh, the worst big-name player for Oklahoma City, and let's just dog him. No, James Harden, <laughs> if Billy Donovan is competent with an out-of-bounds time, you know, timeout play and, and, the, and the Thunder went at the buzzer, James Harden is getting crushed for a 17-point performance where it goes 4 of 15 from the field. That's 26%, by the way, and 1 of 9 from beyond the arc. That's 11%, by the way, 1 of 9 from beyond the arc with 4 turnovers nine assists and three rebounds. He's getting absolutely demolished for that performance if Billy Donovan is capable of drawing on a whiteboard. Sadly, Billy Donovan, I guess, can't use a marker. But as bad as James Harden was, so was Chris Paul. He plays 39 minutes in this contest, gets you 19 points on 45% shooting, 50% from beyond the arc. That's all well and good. 
The six for six from, from free throw, uh, the line, that's great. The 11 rebounds is great. The 12 assists are great. The big problem is he kind of had the reverse of James Harden. And it's really due to the team construction around these guys. The team construction around Harden and Chris Paul, sadly, benefits James Harden because the Rockets can overcome Harden's four turnovers. Oklahoma City can't. Oklahoma City can't overcome six turnovers from Chris Paul. That I mean, that's that's the difference maker. Four turnovers from Gallinari, who was dreadful in this contest. I don't know how a playoff team looks at Gallinari, who has said all along, it's the reason why he's not in Miami right now, that he wants to cash in this offseason for one last big contract. I don't see how a playoff team looks at Gallinari, what he's done this series outside of the game uh, six. It's game six alone enough to get him a big contract from a winning team. He's, he's good enough to get a big contract from a team that is tanking or a team that is in the middle. You know, you look at maybe Minnesota as a team that's kind of in the middle as an example of a team that is trying to just make the playoffs. They're not trying to compete. They're not trying to contend. They simply want a shot at the postseason. Those kind of teams and below, I think, are, are, are going to be who's in the market for a Gallinari because I've never seen a veteran like as disinterested in a Game 7 as Gallinari did. Four points, two of six shooting, 0 for 3 from beyond the arc. Four turnovers, a minus 16 in this contest. Gallinari was dreadful offensively. He was dreadful defensively. Atrocious from Gallinari. Four turnovers from your power forward. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how Gallinari cannot get himself excited to play in Game 7. He looked like he just didn't care out there. So when you're deciding between free agents and who to pay... I don't know if you pay Gallinari if you're a, a team trying to win a championship right now because the shooting is great in the regular season and in the postseason and in the bubble so far, and maybe that's it. Maybe it's the bubble environment for Gallinari. But in the bubble so far, he has not shot great at all. You see, he just hasn't. Again, he said one good game this series. Is that going to be enough to make a contender want him, especially for a guy who, like Gallinari, doesn't want to go to a contender just to, just to try to win a ring? He wants to cash in on this contract. I don't know if you invest in this in this contract of Gallinari uh, whenever he's this kind of playoff player. That was a terrible game from Gallinari. And, and Chris Paul, again, uh, he just didn't get the benefit of having the Rockets role players who stepped up in a big way, more than I thought that they would. James Harden can overcome the four turnovers. Him and Westbrook can overcome only scoring six points combined in the fourth quarter. Chris Paul can't. Simple as that. For, for the Thunder win, Chris Paul could not have six turnovers. He did. They lost. That puts a lot of pressure on Chris Paul, but as a veteran, as a leader, uh, as the best clutch player in basketball this season, you've got to be able to carry that. And, and he's been able to carry it all season long until tonight. And this is where the game ended for him. This is where the line ended for him. And, and this is where his Thunder career, I think, ends for him. But there is some questions about the offseason and about you know what the trade market looks like with the cap possibly going down. Well, actually assuredly going down just a question of how much does it go down uh, you know there's a lot of questions around Chris Paul but this could very well be the end of his Thunder career heck of a career I've talked about maybe finding a way to honor him I know that retiring his number might seem a bit rash but there has to be some way to honor Chris Paul and what he's done for Oklahoma City even dating back to his rookie year I just don't know what that thing is so Chris Paul nothing to take away from him what he's done this season what he's done in his career in Oklahoma City but you know he had a bad game today, and it happens. And that's why I had to point out James Harden. It's because if Billy Donovan is capable of drawing up a play, 
we talk about how terrible James Harden is with his four turnovers, his 17 points on 26% shooting from the field. That's what the story is. It's not Chris Paul. Chris Paul really did enough to win this game, but when you don't have a Robert Covington to, to step up and overshadow your turnovers, you can't win. And Chris Paul knew that coming in. We all knew that coming in. If this was if this was going to be a high turnover game and a game in which Chris Paul entered the fourth quarter with only nine points, we knew that he was not going to have that we're not going to have success as Oklahoma City. It's just something to be applauded that they were even in this game late, which speaks to Houston's terrible clutch performances, which speaks to the resiliency of this Thunder team, and again, speaks to the fact that Chris Paul didn't have guys like Robert Covington step up. In this case, it would be Shea. Shea didn't step up in this game. Now look, Shea is a second-year player. I would, I am so happy to have this conversation about Shea not living up to the big spot in the big moment in Game 7 uh, as a second-year player than as two guys who are 30 years old and approaching the wrong side of 30 in Russell Westbrook and James Harden. So, the bottom line is, same qualifier applies for, for Shea that we t- talked about at the top of the show. Who cares? He's a cornerstone of this franchise, but it'll be a disservice not to talk about this game as if it mattered. Shea, in 40 minutes, had 19 points. He was 6 of 11 from the field and 3 of 4 from beyond the arc. But the three turnovers in this, in this one and the indecisiveness really hurt him. Uh, a ton of those missed shots, as good as he was, as efficient as the numbers are, uh, a ton of those shots that he missed were just simply based on him not committing to something. Same thing with the turnovers. If he would commit to something, and this is what he's going to spend all summer working on, or, or fall, whatever we're going to call this offseason, this is what he's going to spend the whole offseason working on, is just making up his mind. Because that's really all he has to unlock of his game to become uh, a, a top-tier player, to unlock that top 20 uh, in the league potential. It's to just be decisive. Just be aggressive. Just make up your mind. Do you want to drive? Do you want to shoot? Do you want to pass? But you can't do everything at once. You can't drive, shoot, pass, and dribble all at one time. And that's when you start to, to travel. That's when you start to get caught in the air and throw the ball away. That's when you start to short-arm shots because you're not sure if you want to shoot it or not, and you air ball. You can't do all of it at once, Shay. You've, you've got to pick one. You've got to only pick one. And he couldn't pick one this game. And you could tell that he looked kind of shell-shocked in the big moment. And again, I'm totally glad to have this conversation about a second-year player and not two guys who are 30 years old and still can't figure it out. And that's what Houston's dealing with right now. Houston has a huge sigh of relief right now, and, and they need to send a thank you basket to Billy Donovan and Robert Covington. Robert Covington, <laughs> he needs James Harden to pamper him for the next two days leading up to the Lakers series. 21 points tonight, 6 of 11 from beyond the arc. He gets you 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks. Robert Covington was incredible. Blocking Lou Dort. Blocking uh, Dort twice, actually. Blocking Steven Adams. Getting steals in the passing lanes. Creating turnovers. Just ending possessions with 8 defensive rebounds of those 10 rebounds, where 8 of them came from the defensive end. And 2 got your second chance points Points if you're uh, Houston. Robert Covington was the, was the Rockets' best player. And then they got a huge boost from Eric Gordon, who had 21 points and 5 of 9 from beyond the arc. But Gordon did have the 5 turnovers to help keep you in this game, just like James Harden's 4 turnovers helps you keep this, help you keep in this game. Said that pretty funny. Russell Westbrook, though, for 
90% of this game was incredible. Luckily, the Thunder didn't win this game, so the fourth quarter will not be talked about as much. But he got you 20 points on 33 minutes uh, on 45% from the field, 0 for 2 from beyond the arc, uh, took some wacky shots late in the game to end possessions for the for Houston and really helped Oklahoma City. Finished with a minus three, got nine rebounds, two assists, two turnovers. Uh, Westbrook was fine. Again, six, fourth quarter, the two stars, Westbrook and Harden, combined for six points. So if the Thunder pull this off and, and, and actually get a play call in after five timeouts, then that's your lead story on, on every talk show tomorrow is about how those two guys failed again. So don't don't just allow people to slander Chris Paul tomorrow if they're going to, because that's what I can't stand the most. If the Thunder win this game, we're slandering Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Just because they got bailed out by Robert Covington and Billy Donovan doesn't mean they didn't play bad in the clutch. Coming up, we're going to talk all about Billy Donovan and that disastrous late game situation. But I do want to tell you, about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. Rockauto.com has been serving you auto parts online for 20 years. And my favorite part about rockauto.com is the fact that I know nothing about cars. Therefore, I can go to rockauto.com and I can find all the parts that I'll ever need. But also, their website allows me, as someone who knows nothing about cars or what's going to be compatible with my vehicle, they allow me to... Put my make, my model, my year into the website, and they'll only show me car parts that, in which that are compatible with my car. Therefore, I'm never wasting any money on parts that will not work. I will say also, with Rock Auto, there's no need to go to a chain auto parts store. There's no need to go to a dealership because rockauto.com can skip you that upcharge of those places and save you money. RockAuto.com is an amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us box. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How about Billy Donovan, huh? We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Is that R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Billy Donovan was rough in this game. I mean, he was atrocious. First of all, why are you playing Nerlens Noel any minutes? We've talked about this all series long. He is a lazy basketball player. Over and over again, he showed you just how lazy he is. A haphazard James Harden screen in which he didn't even get set. It wasn't a moving screen. He literally just stood in front of Nerlens Noel, just stood there and looked at him. Didn't, didn't make contact, didn't do anything, just stood there in between James Harden and Jeff Green. Excuse me, in between Nerlens Noel and Jeff Green, Noel looked at Harden, didn't try to fight through it as a seven-footer, and watched Jeff Green take a wide-open three. A lazy James Harden screen got Jeff Green a wide-open three. Noel saw multiple rebounds on the defensive end go through his hands and result in a second-chance point by the Rockets because he's so, so lazy. Noel couldn't close out on shooters. Couldn't protect the paint. Turned the ball over offensively. 
Couldn't finish lobs. What could he do in this game? And the fact that Billy Donovan lived and died by the traditional big men after in this series I was proven right and we were all proven right who said that the Thunder should not be playing traditional big men for an extreme amount of time. Uh, he closed in one of the year wins this series with a small ball lineup. He still never went back to it, even though it worked and got you the win. Atrocious, atrocious game from Billy Donovan. And then you get to the, to the final seconds here. The final seconds of this game. The Lou Dort thing where you don't call a timeout. I'm, I'm counting on the fact that eventually we'll see a second angle in which Donovan was pleading for a timeout, but since the ball was on the other side of the court, he just couldn't get it granted to him because that just two timeouts in that situation and no timeout called just makes no sense at all. So I'm going to give him a pass for that one. Oklahoma City is down two points with 1.1 seconds left. Scott Foster calls an away from the play foul before the ball gets you know, thrown in as James Harden is literally hugging Chris Paul. I don't see how Rockets fans were complaining about that. He was literally getting held, but seemed clear as day to me, but Gallo missed the shot anyway, so no harm, no foul if you're Houston and Scott Foster. Gallo can't make a damn free throw, and he was atrocious in this game as we've already talked about. So to just put this back into perspective for you, if you've, if you've forgotten... 1.1 second left, down two. You got a replay review, which is a timeout. You tried to inbound, called another timeout, so that's two. And then you called a third timeout after you couldn't inbound it again. So he had three separate chances, Billy Donovan did, to draw up one play to get a shot attempt down two. You can go for the win with a three. You can go for a tie with a two. But you've got to get a shot up. He keeps out there Stephen Adams who just takes up space and clutters everything because he can't set a screen because there's one second left. So he doesn't go to the rim either, even though he's only down two. He sits right next to Shea who's trying to inbound the ball and brings in three Rockets with him. No one runs around off the ball. There is no action happening off the ball once Shea gets the ball from the ref. And... Shea is forced because you've already wasted all of your timeouts at the at the four-second count of five seconds to just toss the ball at, at Adams' elbow and throw the ball away. Game over. You lose by two points. You don't even get a shot attempt up when you had the ball with 1.1 seconds left. That's on coaching. That is on coaching. You, you cannot have a play that has no action when you need a shot attempt, anytime really, but especially when it's a do or die game and you need a shot attempt. So, so staying with Noel, staying with Adams, being as stubborn as can be as he's been his whole coaching career, that's a negative. He can't drop a play to save his damn life. That's a negative. But I will say, as frustrating as it is, and as gut-wrenching as it'll be to see that he got an extension whenever Sam Presti wants to announce it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It sucks right now. I'm furious with Billy Donovan right now. That was a terrible series yet again. He failed to make adjustments over and over again. He gets a lot of credit for that 2016 run in which he had a super team. I could have made adjustments on that super team. He coached well. I can coach well too if I had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka. 
I can coach well too. Not literally, but anyone sitting in that seat could have gotten that team to a Western Conference Finals. That, that, that was an NBA coach. So credit to, to, for the 2016 run, but since then, he's made no adjustments. He's been stubborn with what he's trying to do. And this was the year, right? This was the year in which he put it all together because there was no more crybaby Westbrook that wouldn't change his ways. There was no more mellow. There was no more Paul George. There was no more superstars. You don't have to live and die about the stars anymore. It was all what, what, it was all Westbrook's fault. It was all everyone else's fault but Billy Donovan. This was his year to have complete control over who gets subbed in, who gets subbed out, how you design plays, how you do this, how you do that. Coach of the year candidate. Finished second or third, finished third in coach of the year. This was his year. But yet, come the postseason, he makes up his mind in game one, and he sticks with it throughout. He sticks with the traditional big men, and again, he cannot get creative enough to get you a shot attempt. Hell, I don't care who shot it. Someone had to shoot it, though. You had to get a play in which someone had the basketball. The play can't be stand around for five seconds and then Shea, who is a second-year player who's inbounding the ball, has to just throw it in and hope for the best and have a mad dash for it. That can't be the play. And here's why it doesn't matter. Even though I don't think Billy Donovan gets fired, although I understand why some people want him fired, I understand that's going to be a bad optics for some people that he gets an extension for this year. Uh, I don't feel that way. I don't think he's going to be fired. I don't think he really should be fired uh, because you're trying to tank. Look, I promise you right now, no matter the extension, no matter what they what they say, no matter what, what verbiage Sam Presti uses to tell you he's committed to Billy Donovan, the next time this team's in the postseason, Donovan is not on that bench. They're just not. They're not going to be in the postseason with Donovan as their coach again. So if Sam Presti trusts Donovan to, to build the future, to nurture the young guys, to develop the young guys, that's fine. At the end of the day, you need someone who's going to lose you games and help you develop. Can Billy Donovan do that? I don't care that he can't coach in the postseason. I don't care that he's a terrible postseason coach without uh, without Kevin Durant. I don't care about any of that. I care about what he can do with the young guys. And if you fire him, you better hire the best young developer of all time. You better, you better hire a great developer of talent. Because this is not a win-now team. And if you think it is, and you want the Thunder to make moves to try to win, we'll talk about that side of it too. Look, this this podcast is every single day. So we can talk about opinions that I don't believe that some of you do. We can talk about how uh, Steve Nash is actually amazing in this series, if you think that. We can talk about how uh, you know Billy Donovan's an amazing coach, if you think that. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. We have to fill content every single day. But for, for me, Donovan is not a winning coach in the NBA. A winning coach in college, not in the NBA. However... You don't fire him because he's a good developer of talent. I think I can I can trust him to develop the future. I just can. I can't trust him to win you a playoff game. I can't trust you to win. I can't trust him to win you a, a playoff series. But I can trust him to to develop your young talent, and that's what matters next year. That's what matters the year after that. That's what matters the year after that, and then you get to year four, or year five. Yeah, and then we need a new voice. Look, Peter Carlismo only coached a quarter of a season his first year in Oklahoma City for a reason because he was on tanking teams in Seattle. He got you Kevin Durant. He got you Russell Westbrook. And then you turn it over to Scott Brooks. For better or worse, Scott Brooks was handpicked from, from, by Presti. That's who Presti always liked. And he knew when this team was ready to win, he was going to oust P.J. Carlissimo and put in Scott Brooks. 
He saw, okay, P.J. Kalisma was tanked enough to where this season, this first year in Oklahoma City is a loss. However, we can still get James Harden and, you know, kind of interest the fan base by firing an old coach in P.J. Kalismo and hiring a young up-and-comer that no one knows anything about. And he'll put Russell Westbrook at point guard, and all will be good. And he'll unlock Russell Westbrook, and it'll be hunky-dory. It's the same type of thing here. Billy Donovan can be your losing coach for all I care. He can be the coach you ride with for the next three years as you lose, and then you turn it over to whoever the new Scott Brooks is, whoever the new hotshot young guy is, and hope that he turns out to be a great coach. Hope that he turns out to be Nick Nurse. It's the bottom line. So this series was frustrating from Billy Donovan. He did everything wrong almost in this series. But you saw him grow players this season. You've seen him grow players like Jeremy Grant throughout his career. He can grow Shea, he can grow Dort, he can grow Baisley, and he can grow some of your next picks. And, and furthermore, I feel comfortable bringing in him as a coach because, frankly, I don't care who the coach is, the picks are in Sam Presti's hands. This is not building a team for Billy Donovan. They're not spending this year's picks or next year's picks or any picks around a coach. They're spending it around what Sam Presti wants. That's who makes the picks. That's who the team's built for, and he just plugs in the coach he likes. So I don't care who the coach is in this rebuild. It just has to be someone who you can trust with young talent. I feel confident with Donovan molding young talent. I don't feel confident with him winning a playoff series, but I feel confident with him molding young talent, and that's what this upcoming season and seasons is all about. So if this team wanted to contend next year, if this team wants to make trades and wheel and deal and keep the band together and try to go for it, then yeah, fire. Don't don't extend Donovan and, and bring in a new voice if you're just so uh, enamored with winning and, and trying to win. But if you're going to try to lose, Donovan's a pretty good losing coach. And I mean that with all sincerity in the sense of building and team building and team developing. So I understand why right now I'm disgusted, you're disgusted, everyone is disgusted by Donovan's performance. But ultimately didn't really matter in the sense of evaluating his long-term stability in Oklahoma City. So the three big things from this game is that Oklahoma City has still not made it out of the first round without Kevin Durant. That's number one. Number two, the future is incredibly bright for Oklahoma City. I wanted to reiterate that on the front and the back end of the show because it's worth noting that even as bad as this feels to lose yet another playoff series, even as bad as this feels to lose a game that you outplayed the other team in, uh, which I firmly believe, you know, it is what it is. The future is bright. You have 14 future first-round picks. You have Shea, who's at worst your second-best player whenever you're going to contend. You have Lou Dort, who's going to be the best defender ever to play the game of basketball. You have Baisley, who's shown you in this postseason. He is for real. He can knock down threes. He can drive to the rim. He can play make. He can ball handle. He can pass. He can play defense. He can switch defensively. He can rebound at a high level, as you saw him rip away the ball from P.J. Tucker. The future is incredibly bright. That's number two. And number three... This was still a heck of a season. So those are your three big takeaways from this game. The MVP of the game has to be Lou Dort, the, the best rookie performance in the playoffs by, by a Thunder player ever, and his career high of 30 points while playing some very good defense and just going 50% from beyond the arc, which if you heard some people talk after his bad game, he was the next Andre Robertson. I've always told you that is not the case with Lou Dort. He is not an offensive liability. He proved me right today. Uh, the Andrew Wiggins Award of the game, the best opponent who kind of came out of nowhere was Robert Covington. He's been playing really well for them, but he had a phenomenal game seven in a game in which I thought if this game was close, the role players would shrink down a little bit. Robert Covington and Eric Gordon 
rise to the occasion and kept Houston alive and kept Houston moving on and avoided a disastrous moment in Houston basketball. So credit to Robert Covington for saving the day and Billy Donovan for saving the day for the Houston Rockets. Daryl Morey, uh, Mike D'Antoni, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, all owe their entire paychecks to Robert Covington and Billy Donovan, split them all down the middle 50-50 and give them to those two guys as they bail out Houston in this game seven. The bet of the day outcome, I actually won. I got Oklahoma City plus five and a half. They lose by two points. There you go. The three-point outcome of the day, I did not take <laughs> I did not take Lou Dort. That's for sure. I took Chris Paul. Lou Dort gets three more threes than Chris Paul in a game seven of the first round. It's unbelievable the way this season has gone. I mean, at every turn, who would have thought you'd get a 30-point performance from Lou Dort? And Robert Covington and Eric Gordon would would beat you in a game seven. Unbelievable. James Harden and Russell Westbrook combined for six points in the fourth quarter. Uh, But that'll do it for this episode. Again, this is a fun season. It's been fun hosting this podcast since May. uh, And we can talk about this offseason. It's going to be very exciting. It'll be a very fun offseason. It'll be a very positive offseason. So if you like positivity, that's coming. It's coming for this postseason. I mean, for, excuse me, for this offseason. This offseason positivity is coming because this offseason is going to be so much fun for Oklahoma City. There is no wrong answer here. I have my opinion. You have your opinion. I don't think either one of us are wrong. I know what I would prefer, but I don't think that that's the 100% right thing to do. And that's what makes having this conversation every single day so much fun, which we'll get into on Friday's show and for the rest of the month here, just talking about what the moves can be made by Sam Presti. So if you want to get involved in the show, send me your takes, your comments, your questions, concerns, opinions about the show, about the Thunder, whatever, on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you don't have Twitter, email the show, lothunderpod at gmail.com. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Perfect ending to a historic day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.